So if this prospector picks up the phone thinking, this is the opportunity for me to build a cathedral, his or her energy is going to shift completely. Inner Sales Podcast, Episode 5, The Excuses We Tell Ourselves to Avoid Prospecting. Welcome to the Inner Sales Podcast, where you will learn how to connect with your own intuition and create a more successful and enlightened sales career. Listen as John and Russ discuss what it takes to drive revenue from the inside out. And now, here's your host, John Stannis. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Inner Sales from 3YG. I am John Stennis, per usual. I am joined today by Russ Salzer. Hey, Russ, how's it going? Good. I'm still good, John. <laughs> You're still good? You're always good. I never have to check on you. I don't think you've ever been bad. If, it, if you're in bad, I've got to worry about the world. Anyway, so um, joining us again this week is Judy Bell. How's it going, Judy? Great, and I'm delighted to be back. Thank you. Uh, that's that's great. Um, we're actually a little bit surprised in some ways that we have you back um, because initially we hadn't thought of doing three episodes with you. It was just going to be the two on the prospecting intensive. But um, after last week's episode, we had a little bit of feedback and had a thought of, well, we want to get people some more um, information or a more experience of what this um, intensive is going to be kind of focusing around some of the main uh, objections that different people have to um, prospecting, some of the main excuses, you know, things like people say that they're too busy to prospect, or maybe um, they keep putting it off saying tomorrow's a better day. I've got, you know, other things I can take care of today, or even managers, sometimes managers, they're like pulling their hair out because they're like, I can't get my guys to prospect. You know, it's their job and I can't get them to do it. I mean, going as far as doing things. Um, you were just talking earlier when we were talking, Russ, about people outsourcing their prospecting, which is in my mind crazy. But so we want to talk about these things. So why don't we start off um, talking about being too busy to prospect? What are people um, really getting at here when they say they're too busy? What do they mean? What's holding them back? As I was thinking about this episode, I, I was kind of writing down excuses that I hear, actual excuses. Mm-hmm. And they all sort of fall under the same category, whether I'm too busy or I got to travel or I got a customer issue or, you know, we goofed up an order. I mean, they all, I think, fall under the same category. Certainly some of those would take pre- precedent. I mean, if you have to resolve a customer issue, that's a different thing. Mm-hmm. But even if you have to do that, I look at the amount of time that one I think should um, allow for prospecting and even, you know, if you plan on doing it a particular morning and you didn't get to it, Mm -hmm. how do you do it in the afternoon that kind of thing? Um, So they all sort of fall under the same category. What I, and then Judy, you know, please jump in, but kind of the surface stuff, what I, that I think about when I hear that, this is pretty normal. You know, in in the way I come, hey, I'm doing stuff that I would much rather be doing. You know, I'm too busy. I have to Mm -hmm. show up for a meeting or I have to, you know, drive or travel. You know, it's essentially telling me that, hey, this other stuff is more appealing to me. Um, You know, so, okay, I get that. And then, um, you know, where, where you take it from there is kind of behavior. You know, do you even set aside time to do the activity? I think if you don't set aside time, it's pretty unlikely that it's going to happen. 
you know, did you even make a commitment to do it? And so start to peel kind of away at, you know, some of the behavior stuff to get beyond um, why one wouldn't schedule, why one wouldn't make it a priority, you know, when it's so critical to business success and sales success. And then, you know, where I would typically go with that is, you know, start to engage in conversation with the rep about, you know, how does it kind of feel when you even think about prospecting? You know, hey, I get a knot in my stomach. I'm not sure I'm prepared or I got to do more research. And, you know, again, just to start to kind of peel away to get deeper into, you know, what's what's blocking them from conducting that activity. And the underlying issue always is that our brains are pain adverse. People don't like pain. Mm-hmm. And the thought of doing something that isn't fun, that it that might not reap rewards, that mm-hmm. might end up having somebody not call them back, somebody's close the, you know, put the phone down, say something de- derogatory to them, not give them anything positive back. Just the imagine, you know, imagining any of the possible negative scenarios is enough to make anybody want to run away. And so the behavior that you and Russ are now talking about is a kind of withdrawal and it's avoidance of a painful situation. And so really underneath the behavioral stuff, what we're going to get to is how do people start changing their beliefs about themselves so that they can handle the rejection or the being ignored or whatever it is. And it has to really be separating that experience from their worth or value as a person or their competence as a person. So we're going to get underneath that. And to me, that's what's hopefully the, the place that people can really shift and make a big difference inside themselves. And how often is that pain or the fear of that pain justified. I mean, people reach out and how often me not being in sales when you're reaching out, is it a lot of that? Is it a lot of that rejection? I mean, is this is a kind of thing where you've got to just build up a tolerance for it or is it something complete in their heads and when they get to it, usually it's fine. I, I think what I've seen, John, and it's a great point. I think a lot of it is just fabricated. You know, I have yet to come across someone who said, hey, I've made this kind of volume of calls and this was the horrible experience. Kind of, you can't quantify it. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times we don't even get to that point. As Judy's talking about, the imagination is such that we just, it just runs away. We don't even execute and have a direct experience to say, hey, I did this, this happened, it was awful, I told you so, blah, blah, you know. (laughs) So we're not even taking the step, which is fascinating to me. There is one other dimension, Judy, in addition to the stuff you were talking about that I think is a force here. And that is the, the external perception of selling and sales, you know, is generally not favorable. And I think we talked about that on some of the prior episodes. You know, when you ask somebody what they think of sales or a salesperson, it's pretty loaded with judgments. So, you know, sometimes it's, it's certainly, you know, the stuff inside me, my self-worth, my self-concept up for grabs, but I'm also up against this conditioning that is not generally very favorable 
when a salesperson right. calls a prospect. Right. But that adds to the negative preframe that the person who's yeah. about to, the prospector has. So it's even more pain right <laughs> lurking there you know like uh oh who am i why am yeah. i doing what is this about yeah. what does this say about me yeah so so you know the the whole idea of making something that is um that you're afraid of more palatable what you bring up john to me is really an interesting idea of what if that person were to do a little research project on themselves and say, okay, I'm mm -hmm. going to do 10 calls and I'm going to write down exactly how I perceive the other people responding to me. So I get to find out, is it 50% of the time I get ignored or rejected or humiliated or some terrible thing? Or is it 2% or 3%? You know, what is mm -hmm. the truth about it? So that it stops being just a gigantic fear and it starts having a little bit more teeth of reality. I think a lot of the time it's even, I mean, I think that is a pretty good idea and you can have that information and that can help you fight it. I think people often, they focus so much on the negative. I know if you, anybody that creates anything or interacts with anything with anybody, um, they're always so much focus on that one negative experience. You can have a great day with, tons of great things happening, but you have one negative experience and your whole day is ruined because that one thing, and you're always going to focus on that one thing. That's because our brains are hardwired to have what's called negativity bias. So your brain's job, primary job is to help you survive. And so if you mm -hmm. had something negative happen, your brain wants you to remember that so you don't have that experience again. So it's more, it's going to remember the negative things much faster than it is the positive things. And that what you're describing is exactly what negative negativity bias is about. So it has really nothing right. to do with being optimistic or pessimistic. Right. That's right. right. So how do you fight that? You learn to train your brain to look at the positive, take in the positive, celebrate the little teeny steps, the process of doing it, just starting to do something. If you give yourself an attaboy or an girl, it, sends the dopamine throwing through your brain because there's a, the reward center goes, yeah, I did it. I started doing something that's important to me. And just that creates motivation. And if you keep creating motivation and you celebrate the little teeny steps and you celebrate the process that you're on and the trajectory that you're on, it helps the part of your brain that wants to celebrate the positive, do a better job. And it can counterbalance or counteract the negativity bias that is hardwired into your brain. One of the things that we mentioned in a prior episode, and I totally, and this took me a while to learn, is that what Judy said is, is so true, you know, where uh, the, the process is the result. So me saying, hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pick up the phone today, I'm going to call five people. Just mm -hmm. doing that and acknowledging that without considering, hey, I left five voicemails mm -hmm. and nobody called me back, hadn't really has almost nothing to do with it. It's just, you know, you committed to do it, you did it, and that's worthy of celebration. Hooray for Big you. Time. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 
Yeah. And what can we do for those managers out there that have this problem with their team? How do we solve their pain of, you know, they can't get these guys moving on this stuff. Hey, John, before you jump to that, I just wanted to share a kind of a personal experience. So I, I get to do this work day in and day out. And so what's interesting about it in the retraining part, as Judy said, was so true last week, I, I, well, there was a particular day where I made 11 calls. It was a great day. I had a lot of appointments mm-hmm. and I got one rejection and it bugged the hell out of me. And it was funny, just exactly what you were saying. I mean, the rest of it was fabulous. And I was focused on the one. That's right. So how do you get beyond that? It, it took more work than I thought. Like that just kind of gnawed at me and how could he and how could he? <laughs> and then even taking it a step further, which requires more and more refer, uh, um, reinforcement is then you, you know, assuming the next step of, of contacting somebody mm-hmm. is to try to get in front of them. That's what I would call opening a sale. That's how you're going to open a sale. So even when you're in front of them, you know, which I had a day yesterday, some of what I picked up from people who had agreed to see me is, you know, you kind of get in, you sit down, you introduce, you get through that kind of cordial stuff. And they're kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, like, why are you here? And it was like, <laughs> you know, and it was to continue to kind of, you know, be able to hang in there and work on that next step and not let even, you know, not really being welcomed with open arms. You know, it was almost like, you know, what, what are you here for? Kind of maybe he's a little angry. Right. He, he made the appointment or he had to make the commitment, you know, so that's why it's important to kind of keep hanging in there with the process. Mm-hmm. It's not a one and done thing. It's so hardwired that even along the steps of the sales process, the stuff happens all the time. So I, as you were talking right now, Russ, I was thinking of a time where I was in France and I was giving a keynote and there were all these French people in a proscenium stage where the stage was at the bottom and their chairs were going. Mm -hmm. Like a, like a college lecture pit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And there was a giant screen behind me and I walked in and there were several hundred people and not a single person was smiling. Nobody had any positive vibe toward me at all. And it was that sense of, and I knew I was going to get this because this is really what French are known for. <laughs> prove it to me. Yeah. Do me. Prove, do me. Prove to me. <laughs> prove to me that you have something important that I can take away. Right. And it sounded like that guy, when you walked in, it was like he was saying, prove it to me. Yeah. Like I gave you this time. Now prove it to me that it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And what I know allowed me to do a great to have a great time in that pit was that I have a strong enough positive voice in my head that could say this is about them and who they are and how they are Hmm. it has nothing to do with me personally the more I'm I'm really inside with myself and having a good time and believing that they actually want to listen and want to connect and want something that's going to help them live their life better. That allowed me Mm -hmm. to open up, have fun. And within five, five or 10 minutes, I had them eating out of my hand because I didn't buy their coldness and their aloofness. I just knew that was their way of, starting the conversation. Yeah. 
And if, if when we're doing prospecting, because I was prospecting, I was selling myself, Mm -hmm. right? And when, if I, as the prospector, remember that the more I am enjoying myself, believing in myself, the more that will come across to the other person and help that person listen better to me. But if I'm in an anxious, scared, desperate, really fearful um, state of being, that's going to come across. And then I'm going to get, why should I listen to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think some of it too is being able to kind of put yourself in the other person's shoes. You know, I imagine, you know, everybody you're going to call on or I talk to, Mm -hmm. you know, they're busy. They have stuff going on. They've taken time out. They've agreed to meet with you. You know, whether they've reconsidered that or not, it kind of doesn't matter. And you kind of put yourself in their shoes and be a little bit, you know, empathetic, compassionate, and kind of get in that. And like you said, not be rattled by it and be who you are and show up. And it turned out to be a phenomenal meeting with the next step. So, I mean, you know, you you know, you, some people would say, hey, it was kind of testing you or whatever, but you just got to be kind of grounded in it. And I think to be, instead of being defensive about it, is be a little bit compassionate about right. that and appreciate the fact that I was in the conference room with them. Right. You know, and that, that was a great opportunity. Right. All right. Help me with this then, because you guys talk about these pains, these problems that these salespeople have. Well, I think I'm a pretty good example. I'm the kind of guy that would never want to be a sales guy because I deal with this all the time. I have extreme aversion to pain. I have extreme aversion to social situations. Um, heck, being on this show sometimes makes me stressed out and anxious. So what can you do? You know, I'm the guy. I'm the here saying I'm too busy because I want to have all these other things done. How are you going to convince me? to go out there and prospect. What do you want to tell me? I'm like, I, I don't, they're going to, those guys, I'm going to pick up the phone and I'm going to call them. And every single one of them is going to say, either not pick up because, you know, everybody screens their calls. They just don't pick up their phone and look for voicemail. Or they're going to pick up and be mad at me because I'm interrupting their day. So uh, the, w- the way, but I'll tell you the way, <laughs> my first response, John, is to say, if you knew that there were some things that you could do that would make that more fun and that you would feel good about yourself at the end of the day, mm-hmm. would you want that? Yeah. Okay. That's great. So then I would say, if you felt less like a victim of the fear and the you know aversion to that, but you felt freer and actually felt an excitement about doing it. Would you want that? I live for excitement in some ways. Yes. Okay. So it's really working with a shift in mindset so that the thing that you fear turns into be something to be excited about. Okay. Something that's a challenge. So instead of looking at it as like, oh my God, I might fail. This might be horrible. Looking at it as I'm going to give myself an opportunity to succeed. And even if that success is that I just called and left, not just, that I called and left a phone message. Mm -hmm. So then I'm like, hooray for me. I gave myself a moment of success where I get to feel good about myself. I did something that I wanted to do so that I'm proud of myself. 
John, would would prospecting be important to your life or is it important to your job? Uh, I think it's important. I mean, me personally, it's got it's it's pro- I mean, it's important to both, I would say. Um, I would say that fear in me extends to more than just prospecting, but mm-hmm. yeah, so I think it's important to to both, yeah, my life in general, and then also that fear in me can hold me back from not just something as, you know, so direct to sales, but can hold me back from other things too. Sure. So, yeah. Um, yeah, good point. I think I like Judy's approach. Judy's, you know, what makes me break through that can be those desires for those other experiences, for that excitement, for those connections. Because I, I mean, honestly, I have sat sometimes and I completely, you know, people I know, and I'm sometimes afraid or fearful of contacting them because I'm afraid of what kind of rejection I could get from people I know. So one of the things that I'll a lot of times ask salespeople, because we're really good at, and you were great at describing that. I mean, your energy went up, you got a lot of, you know, stuff behind it, a lot of momentum building about why you don't want to do that. And um, what could be the possible reward for doing it? What could be the upside of doing that? Of even reaching out to somebody you know, you know, what could come from that? And I don't know that that's enough to get somebody moved in that direction, but it is, I think, worth at least initially thinking about what could the upside be as opposed to what all the downside is. Right. So people are motivated by the carrot or the stick. So what you're talking about, Russ, is is there something on the upside, which is the carrot that could motivate you to have the courage to the interpersonal courage to take that risk of making that phone call or going into a situation that was new. There's often this sense for people that because they're pain adverse, they are not willing mm-hmm. to, Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the carrot is not big enough it's not mm. strong enough to go over that threshold. And so I look at it really like people getting more belief in themselves. And so if you ask yourself the question, John, mm-hmm. what's the worst that could happen? If I did this, what's the worst that could happen? And could I cope with that? And if you get to a place that you say, no, I can't cope with it. I don't want to feel rejected or I don't want to feel humiliated or I don't want to feel scared then what do you need to learn so that you could cope with it? So if we're talking about a person who's prospecting and what is it that they're afraid of? What are they afraid? What's the worst that could happen if they make a phone call? What's the worst response that they could get? And how are they going to help themselves be able to deal with that? When they can get to the place where they can say, yeah, I can deal with it. Then they can pick up the phone and make the call. Yeah. That seems that seems logical. My logical brain looks at that and says, "That that could work." I could tell you were engineer you were engineering that. Like, hmm, okay, that seems to compute. Well, it works. Uh, speaking of technology, maybe another way to look at this too is: I mean, a lot of the times when you don't want to reach out, we and I'm guessing that prospecting, you would encourage it to be um, on a phone for the most part, correct? not like via email or something other tech communication? Uh, I mean, for me, what I found is a combination of both. 
I think email messages can be a great follow-up to a voice message. And I found that people tend to be more mm-hmm. apt to reply to an email than a voicemail. So I'll often pair them up. Um, so that's more behavior and kind of strategy. Um, the other thing which we have not talked about, which I think is huge, and Judy, I'm interested in hearing from you on this. So you can get through the hurdle or you can say, hey, I can cope with getting hung up on or not getting replied to. I'm not going to die. Okay. I got that. The other part of it is to be able to get a successful or kind of the, the, the direction you want. I think people respond in kind. And so I do think it's about an energy that you bring to the call. And I've seen it far too often where I am, you know, you bludgeon the team or a rep into making a call. So I'm going to go make 200 calls in a day. But from that energetic place, I can tell you what the results is going to be is that much. And so it is, it is about getting through that and, Hey, understanding that I can cope with this worst case scenario, I get hung up on, or I get told to never call me back again, or I get my number blocked, whatever. But the other part about that is how do you get in the energetic place that is going to be attractive to people kind of get in relation to that person, which you've not even spoken yet. Yeah. So you see, I think this really goes into what you were saying before Russ, which is the carrot. So if I get past the place that I can cope, so if I'm humiliated, I'll pick myself up, brush myself off and go on. I can deal with it. But what you're talking about is I want to feel the internal motivation that gives me Mm -hmm. the gas to get excited that this pot, this is an opportunity for me to be my best. It's an opportunity for me to move my life forward in a way I want to move my life forward. So if there's the story about these two stone cutters um, cutting stones in St. Mark's Square and one looks miserable, the other one looks happy. And the miserable one, when asked what he's doing, he says, can't you see I'm cutting stones? The other one says, I'm building a cathedral. Mm -hmm. So if this prospector picks up the phone thinking, this is the opportunity for me to build a cathedral. The, his or her energy is going to shift completely. Yeah. If it's, oh, Lord, I have this chore. I have to build, I have to cut another stone. Then it's going to come across. And people's brains, we have social brains. And so people pick up energetically what's going on in the other brain. And that's not, that's underneath conscious awareness. It's happening just like, our breathing goes into sync and our hearts go into sync. Our brains go into sync. So people are going to pick up the negative energy. Mm. And mm-hmm. as you said, not much good will happen from it. Yeah. And you'll be right. <laughs> you'll be right that prospecting doesn't work or you'll be right that prospecting works. Depending on where you start, right. you will absolutely be right. I guarantee people that. And it, it does really come down to, I actually do a little bit of work before I get on the phone personally. And Judy, you and I had talked offline before about priming, which I think is phenomenal. I actually went and made a little video Mm -hmm. clip with windows viewer of stuff that I just keep, you know, it could be affirmations. It could be a picture. It could be whatever. And I made a little video clip and I put it to music that I run before I prospect that helps me get in the place, that energetic place where I want to be which I like to be in the place whenever I pick up the phone that I know I can help somebody. Right. That's it. I know I can help somebody do something better 
you know, than they're doing today. And I want to segue from what you just said to what John asked before in terms of managers. Okay. If, if we can help managers get to a place where that, what you just said, Russ, is how they feel, that their job is to figure out how to light the fire under these guys so that they get excited. So what if that manager created a little video of blips that were funny and that were motivating and help the prospectors do the same thing? To me, it's how do we get them to realize that it isn't about taking a whip but it's really about getting that deep internal motivation and belief in people's selves. We've kind of, you know, we've talked about a couple scenarios very briefly on the managerial stuff and how to help the team. But the other one was around, you know, stuff I don't want to do. I'm too busy. Pick, you know, you fill in the blank as a sales rep as to why you don't want to do it. The other one, which is really common for me and for everybody is tomorrow's better. Mm-hmm. It's not okay. the right time. It's late in the day. Tomorrow's better. And I think the same thing applies. It's just a different, uh, package. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a different package. So it's essentially the same thing. And I go through that constantly. Like I noticed for a while there, it would be like after lunch was not a good time to call. Mm-hmm. And then if I waited long enough, it was midday, mid afternoon, and then it's way too late. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's the same drill, different, different, uh, package. And a personal note, I have found when I really need to make sure I get something done, I will set a very specific time and a reminder and I'll be like at 9am say call this person and when that pops up I yeah. stop everything I'm like I'm calling right now and making sure I do it yeah. so I scheduled it on a very specific time and I'm guessing that kind of helps with that situation can help with that situation. it can it can help yeah all right so <laughs> that was a great aside Russ and I'm glad you brought that up because I think I think hey, a lot one of, more thing, John. Oh God, no! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, gotta keep you in control. Um, but thanks for joining me, Russ. How can people get a hold of you? Um, website is three yg us. Contact information is there. All right, we will uh, p- send people that direction. And then Judy, thanks again so much for being with us. I really enjoy our episodes with you. Um, how can people again get a hold of you if they're interested? And I've enjoyed this too. Thank you. Um, the email is judith at rewireleadership.com and the website is rewireleadership.com. Fantastic. Thank you a lot. This was great. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for being here. Uh, you can find, you can contact the show itself by contacting inner sales at 3YG.us. Um, we're also on Twitter. You can re, uh, follow us and reach out to us at, at inner underscore sales. Um, or you can talk to me if you want to about my my inner pains and my inner frustrations at at john stannis <laughs> uh you can find this episode and any show notes with it at 3yg.us slash inner dash sales slash three um if you like it you can leave us a wonderful review on itunes um you can subscribe to this podcast for free in apple podcasts overcast or anywhere else you find your podcasts a reminder that our theme music is shimansi kilokatsu by kilokatsu Thank you all for uh, having the courage to listen to this podcast and see you all next week. Bye, Russ. All right. Thanks. Bye, Judy. Bye, Judy. Bye-bye. See you later. Thank you.
Hey everybody, the main show's over, but here's a little bonus content we had while recording that I thought I'd just throw in at the end. Uh, enjoy. And you guys, I'm just updating. I've got to do this. Um, the uh, Zoom has decided that it's going to ask me to upgrade. And at this rate, I am just going to go ahead and do it. So I am give me a minute here and I'm going to get this set up. Talk amongst yourselves. Here's a subject. Um, the Sistine Chapel. <laughs> it's really beautiful i've never been <laughs> i have oh you've never been that's well there's somewhere i've been you have it mm-hmm. red light district amsterdam oh that's <laughs> something i've, I've been, been there, there. I've been, hey that I, is- I, I don't know anybody else who can make this claim i was there with my parents <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that no yeah. That's that's, that's intense. Awesome. That was so intense. Walking past the have you have you been there, John? No, I've not, no. Oh my god, it is so intense. Walking past these glass windows with these mm-hmm. women sitting there, standing there on sale. They're selling them, so yeah. it, it, oh, it is so <laughs> it's intense. Prospecting. Uh, it is the oldest, the oldest industry in the world, right? right. Nine six. Don't tell your credit card number to the world, John. That would be intense to go there with your parents. It was funny because they, I forgot what anniversary it was. They went to Europe on a tour for their anniversary. And then I met them in, I think, Paris. We hung out in Paris for a while and then we went to Amsterdam. And uh, yeah, it was fun. My dad had been there during the Korean War. He was stationed in Germany. Oh, Lord. So it was funny listening to my mom, wondering if he recognized anyone. <laughs> <laughs> or, anyway, I won't say it. <laughs> what does the Bible say about how, not do you know somebody? What is the phrase? Is it about walking in their shoes or? No, I can't think of it. All right, what are we doing? We're upgraded. Okay. All right, we're good. We're good. I'm just, I've got, yep. We have to read. Okay. Or we're still recording. Okay. Recording. We're recording the whole time. I've never not recording.